I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks podcast. I'm one of your four hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We have three other hunks on the line, and we have a very special guest this evening that I am super pumped about. So first, before we get into that, we have three hunks. First hunk, Mr. Nick Fiesler. Good evening. Happy to be here. Good evening, Nick. Has Has spring sprung up north yet? Oh, yeah. I was down by the bay this morning or this afternoon. How's the drywall? All the, oh, it's great. <laughs> That's good. All right. Small, we got the small mouth season is upon us up here. Uh, it looks like you have a ton of sanding to do. Oh, yeah. What would be on your right? That looks like a botch job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> we also have on the line Mr. Tom Venata. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Good Crocs on. Uh, no shoes, no footwear oh. at the moment. Oh, like oh. comfy mode. All righty. We also have Mr. Owen Seaman and Bigos Bucktails. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. Seaman household doing well. Doing very well. Doing, you know, spring fever has sprung here. That's for sure. My kids are bouncing off the walls to be outside. Mm, it's time to get them outside. Get them yeah, out get the, to the cottage. Um, I'm, I'm headed up there tomorrow night to get to get things started. There you go. So we have a special guest on, and uh, I'll just go ahead and kick it over to Owen, and you can introduce who we have on tonight. So we have a special, special guest here tonight. Uh, none other than what what we would consider a kind of a local legend. If you're if you're just getting into musky fishing and you're in you're in the tri-state area. It, you know, you you definitely know this guy in his outfit, and that is Vance Boomer Kalos. Um, call him an international legend. The internet, yeah, maybe an international international star. superstar and drywall connoisseur. And, and we, we might get into like the jack of all trades aspect. I, I've seen some of your hobbies. You know, we'll, we'll we'll get into some of this stuff, but we're happy because you know we we pride ourselves on being the uh you know the new guys that are just beginning musky fishing and we're also the new guys just beginning podcasting so vance also uh is you know one of the three uh get uh, hosts of the fat az podcast uh which i'm sure if you listen to us you've listened to them and you probably do religiously so we are very happy to have vance on and we want to kind of take a deep dive here tonight into Vance's background and learn a little bit about him and what got him starting musky musky fishing. Uh, so Vance, welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. And, uh, I got to meet all you guys in person over the show season. It was great. So I'm happy to be back. Yeah, man. It was, uh, it was really good to be able to get to, you know, get to know you get to, you know, talk to you a little bit because, I kind of got into this right around 2000, 2020 musky max was when I, my first really experience with any, any industry folk. And then, you know, the world shut down literally the weekend after that. So there were no musky shows, there was nothing else. So it was cool to be able to get to know, you know, get to you know talk to you and, you know, put a name to a face and we're great. You know, you've been gracious enough to, to come on the podcast here tonight and, and talk to us. So the first first thing I really want to get started with want you to you know 
give a little plug to your business because uh, you are a full-time muskie guide on Chautauqua Lake and here in Pennsylvania, right? I am. Yeah. And uh, you can check us out, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishandguides.com. And then my bait business uh, is Fat AZ Musky Products. Now, Fat AZ Musky Products, that is mm-hmm. three of you guys, right? Yep. Three Todd, Todd. Me, Todd, and Andy. All right. And it, I want to I want to get into a little bit of like the background of that, the bait business, but then Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, that's just you and Todd Young, correct? Correct. Yes, All it right. is. And that was, uh, we'll kind of get into that too, but I want to get into how you guys started, how you guys got together and started that business. But before we get into any of that, I've always been wanting to know, like, I understand you grew up in McKeesport, not exactly the, uh, the musky you know, not exactly the, the, the fishing metropolis. Uh, so tell me, how did you get started fishing? Well, yeah, I'm from McKeesport that lies on, uh, the closest body of water. That is the Yawk river. Um, the second close would be the Monongahela. Uh, they kind of run into one another there. So that's where I really got my roots, uh, of fishing from. There's also like a really terrible lake in the heart of McKeesport was called Emily Lake. And you could find things like carp and catfish and guns and cars and bodies in there. <laughs> and um, so I started there. And once I'd caught all those species and realized it wasn't like the best place to hang out without your parents there for safety, um, I would venture onto uh, the Yawk River where it was more spaced out. And there was more uh, a like a plethora of, of species you could you could fish for. Um, Who got from... you started? Like, was this your dad, your mom or grandpa or what? Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have a, a grandfather, but uh, my uh, my father and my uncle uh, got me into it. And uh, it just it just started from everything down from like panfish, uh, you know, and eventually it, it, it got into muskies. But when I first started. Uh, we would go out on the yacht. I was essentially an extra rod for somebody. Um, but I'm sure they had, you know, good intentions for me to be out there to try to build this, you know, passion for the outdoors and things of that nature. But um, it, it was those two. Um, my uncle is just an insane person. He's crazy on the lake. Um and, I think I think I remember hearing some stories on on the Fat AZ podcast regarding yeah. your uncle. So I would say that he's probably the most influential because he was the one that I paid attention to the most, and I just did the opposite because he was absolutely crazy. <laughs> it's just it's just a dangerous thing. And then he had he had fished like McKeesport. Everybody, know, it, it's like it's a it's a little big town, and uh, you know, like all the way through high school. And, and people that, that baby, baby boomer generation had known my uncle and my father. And I would get teachers and things like that at the, at the school. They would tell me, I know your, your father, and they'd be very respectful. And then they'd say, I also, I know your uncle. I fished with him. I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> so, and I'm like, okay, I completely understand that. Tell me your story, you know? And, and they were just all horror stories, like, he starts the motor and doesn't tell anybody that they're about to get on plane or something. So they go flying out of the boat or there's three footers on Lake Erie and you're in a 14 foot rowboat. And, you know, he still went out. It was just things like that. Um, 
that, that really got me into it. But we would fish there like on weekends um, when I was younger in the Yawk River. And it's where I caught my first muskie. And it was just worm and bobber uh, fishing. And I just st- stumbled into one when I was like seven years of age. And oh, I yeah, wanted to get that it- young. I was that young. Yeah. And I wanted to get it mounted. It was probably about 28 inches or something. And I was just so happy because he, my uncle had a muskie on the wall that he killed and, uh, he caught it walleye fishing on a worm harness and it was 45 inches and it spanned the beam of the boat when he set it down on the bench seats that are in this little rowboat so you could like just get a visual for how big this boat really was 45 inches you had in inside that thing Uh, so he puts it down in there he takes it takes it home and he gets it mounted and this was you know many years ago when catch and release wasn't really a thing and um Oh, hell no. I remember, you know, one of my most memorable stories is, is my dad's buddy, Ed Kabancic, having a 48 inch muskie, you know, that was a real, you know, skin, skin mount, you know, yep. in the back of his office wall. I remember my dad, you know, standing me next to it and the thing was taller than I was. So, yeah, those real skin mounts are no that's that's the old school, man. Yeah, it was old school. And I would always get to see it when we would be prior to going fishing because we would meet at his house. And, you know, I was like, oh, I want to get it mounted. I want to get it mounted. But it was it was just a tiny thing. So we released it. And uh, it was such a long time ago. We the only photos I have of that is on a Polaroid. It's pretty cool. (laughs) What's a Polaroid? Yeah. Well, I thought they came back for a little bit. I thought they were like the hip thing, you know, they did. I think with the sorority girls and, you know, what that sort of thing. Oh, you you would know. Huh? <laughs> That's right. Hanging out at college all the time. Uh, oh yeah, I'm a Delta Psi. <laughs> right now, on, Vance. Brother. Were you were you the type of guy or the type of kid that continued to fish all the way through, you know, adolescence, or did you fish as a kid and then kind of give it up for sports and whatnot, and then pick it back up after, uh, after you know what, after you're done with all that shit. Yeah, I got you. It was always a passion of mine. Um, but you do go through, uh, you know, that adolescent age where uh, things just take up time. I was uh, highly into football. I played four years in high school, four years in college, um, highly into boxing, things like that. Um, so that uh, took up a lot of my time um, from the ages of like 13 to 21 years of age. Um, but I always made time and here's where this tradition comes in, into place with, with building a, um, kind of a, a passion for the outdoors. My family would always go up to Chautauqua Lake. Um, and there was like a guy's week and then there was a family week. So they would go up, okay. two. they would go I up like for two that. weeks, but then the family, the families would come the next week. And that's when I got to go up. And I was still the same age, you know, very young, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up through my teens. And then in that summer, uh, there really wasn't much. We would always go up in the third weekend in June. And that's when walleye or no, excuse me, bass and muskie opened. I don't know why they picked that date. They really weren't into um, those species uh, as much as, as they were into walleyes. But it was just kind of a comfortable time. 
of year, you know, not too hot, not too cold, and you could fish uh, pretty pretty well those those months. But it happened to stumble upon those opening dates of, of bass and muskie. So I would go up and I would continue to go up and it being June, I wasn't in any camps or any type of uh, strict training at that, that time of my adolescence uh, in those June months. So I always went up for a week. I looked forward to it. Um, and it was just a, it, it was just a family tradition and it's still going on to this day and me being on that lake so much, I can't fish with uh, everybody, but are you waving? No, I'm putting my hand up for a question. That's what we do here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. Just, I know. <laughs> we okay. forgot I to go over the, like, the protocol, the, the hand we raising. To, we forgot to tell the hand about that. But yeah, that, that tradition is still going on on today. And uh, my family still goes up there uh, every year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Ryan, go ahead. Hand up. I want to, I want to take a step back though, because I've never had a chance to talk to Vance about this. What position, what you played football in high school college what position did you play safety played safety, safety and safety and really? wide receiver safety and wide receiver in high school and then safety in college and this this is uh in high school this is all throughout your you were a mckeesport tiger i was actually uh my parents split i was a catholic boy i went to sierra okay sierra catholic i got a lot sierra. of flack for that but it worked out oh that's yep. that's, that's a cool See, Safety and wide receiver. It was a lot of fun, man. Um, Where'd you go to college? Duquesne University. Oh, same nice. here. You would have been a couple. You would have been the assume a couple years after me. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah, I was a Duke, yeah, so you know all the stomping grounds there. And how? Yeah, I, gra- I graduated in two two thousand. So okay, and I graduated college in ten two thousand ten. Okay. So you know how big the football program is there, and how yeah. we were treated like celebrities. Yeah, you know what? Actually, um, <laughs> the football guys, I, I, we love the football guys because they weren't, they weren't not, they were not like the football guys at you know Pitt or Penn State or whatnot. They were just kind of regular dudes that you know like to do what we all did. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you you ran into some nice people. I really didn't hang out uh, with the team outside of. Uh, practice and in camp and stuff like that but i got denied at pit i wanted to go to pit and penn state and walk on and play and that never happened for me so i went to duquesne it was one double a we played some decent schools some bigger schools youngstown state and old dominion now they're playing like west virginia and hawaii and all these fun places we got to go to these yeah they're playing like great teams i would have loved to have done that but i was really passionate about that and like after it left and you know you kind of feel this like void of of competition and and uh things of that nature so like i had to fall back on something and eventually it it became muskies so i got another question then because i've seen all these pictures and again i haven't had a chance to talk to you about any of this stuff like where did the bodybuilding stuff come into play yeah i wanted to get into that like I've seen all those. I know he's like shaking his head. <laughs> it's your Instagram profile pic. You can't you can't avoid it at that point. Yeah, Come on, so we've all seen you oiled up, fans. I was yeah, I was oiled up, and I was in a uh, a little banana hammock, um, <laughs> what the people call it. But uh, that was after football. That was just uh, my my father has always been in great shape, and he's a he was a renowned natural bodybuilder. 
Um, and I always, before he retired, I wanted to step on stage with him. And uh, so I did it twice. And uh, I, that's, that's just where it went, you know. That, cool. it, there, that was something that was filling the void of that competition of football and boxing and stuff like that. So, um, really who has been oiled up and ended up in a hammock, mm. you know? Yeah. Everybody does it a couple of times, I, but I, I, did it, say I did it. I did it all natural. The, and it, no, your no oil steroids. Guys? That's big for me. No drugs, no steroids, no diuretics, nothing like that. So it's, it was legit. It was legit, uh, dieting and, uh, some miserable days, but, it was a lot of fun because it, it, it brought out that competitive side of me and uh, that void that I was trying to fill when you're a younger man of I get what it, am man. I going to do with my life? It's hard to find that in, in really as an adult, be, you know, without, cause I, I was a, I walked on as a division one golfer and like played golf in college at Duquesne, which had about as a successful golf program as we had a football program. We yeah. were treated about the same. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, the golf program has since been completely disbanded at, at Duquesne, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't. I, don't th- I think it was a club, probably. Yeah, no, it, we were D. We were D one when I was there. I mean, we. we I played. Mm-hmm. I played in the A10 championship. You know, with uh, I forget who was it was. It was either Justin Rose or I forget who it was. Or um, I can't remember. One of the guys from England was playing for Virginia Tech and just fucking smoked everybody it was ridiculous but so when i when you know i actually i ended up quitting playing golf halfway through because i could i had to get my grades up to get into law school but i as i when i had kids i was like i gotta get back into doing something like that so i got back into golf and you know got playing a little bit i played a couple of competitive you know amateur tournaments around here and Mm -hmm. uh enjoyed that for a little bit but you know it's nice to get the competitive juices going and even if you don't you know no one i I didn't enter anything expecting to win win a local golf tournament you know Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like just suiting it up and and having the nerves and going out there and and just doing it is is kind of fun that's why i want to get these guys i know everyone hates tournament fishing you know but i just want to get out there and like fish in in a couple of these chapter 16 tournaments just just to get out there and do it. Yeah, I think it's great support. You know, it's something for everybody. And last couple of years, 16's been putting on some great tournaments and they got good people behind it. So they'll only get better. I was going to say, I've run into you at one chapter 16 tournament. You got any interest in doing any more this year? Or was uh, that just no, due I, to the COVID shutdown? I'm not, no, I'm not doing any more tournaments. I did that with a friend because he really wanted to do it. Uh, and that was, that was that it. Was I'm the, done. So I know Todd days of COVID too. Todd, Todd was really big into the PMTT. Yeah, we did it. And the one year we went, we went decently far in it. Uh, but the, the problem is with that is it, it always starts in Kentucky at cave run. You catch a fish there. Um, you're, you're, you're pretty set. You're on the leaderboard. If you catch one or two fish, that's usually what it takes to, uh, to go, you know, to go home or be ranked nationally. And that's what happened. Then we skipped the tournament. Then we went out to Wisconsin and it just, I remember doing that and it takes forever to get out there towing. So Todd and I worked until like a Wednesday 
and then we drove all the way to Wisconsin after after that Wednesday charter we got off at like 5 p.m hit the road was heading out to to, uh, to Wisconsin it was just an incredible drive and you barely get to pre-fish and it just really wasn't worth it yeah well i think we're, we're i'm sorry for getting ahead of yeah i, I, I got ahead to, of ourselves there so let's let's back cancer. let's back way up let's back way up we were still on yeah. the, the bodybuilding thing yeah, okay. we're we're still with duquesne i want to hear how we went from a nursing degree to a professional musky guide because i feel like that's a pretty well, no, I was, well, no, wait, we're skipping a step how do you how do you get into uh how do you get into nursing i mean okay. was that something that you are uh, was it something you were interested in the medical field like what how'd that happen hey vance we're we're just writing your autobiography tonight that's what we're doing yeah, yeah dude I, I, all I out of order this is, this completely is out of order um yeah just every everything that a kid goes through uh, in life trying to get to to be successful but uh nursing what put me in there my, my i have a family history of it um and uh, my sister's one my mother's one my aunts were one my wife's now one um so there was it was always in, in the family and it was just something you know the the school system is so bizarre and and screwed up they want you to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life when you're 18 years of age um and it's just tough to pick uh what you're going to do when you when you go to school but i knew that nurses work three shifts and i knew that there were seven days in a week and i wanted to fish you know when when it was all said and done or have four four more days off to do something in life and uh that's really why I chose to get into it. It was easy job security, um, decent money to get on my feet. And uh, so I picked that profession. I got through, got through it, got my boards. And that's how I started. That's what was kind of like the wind in my sails for uh, where I'm at now. I know it's, I, I know what it takes to, to get a professional license and it's not cheap. And, you know, nursing school is not cheap. You know, yeah, no. when did you decide to <laughs> to say hey the investment is i'm not i'm not gonna follow that investment anymore i'm gonna do this new thing i'm gonna go be a musky guide well it was pretty much instantaneously uh right after i was like when i graduated and did my boards um took a job got a crap signing bonus my parents are like you know now you're in the in the real world you need to um, you know, save and invest and things like that. And I immediately bought a boat and they were just so pissed <laughs> off at me Yeah, and they didn't get, they didn't get it. This is my mother's side. My dad really didn't care. Um, but my mom was just like, Oh my God, you're, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And I was like, well, I really like to fish. So, you know, I got what Did I want to stay in the McKee sport area. Like when you, when you just stay in McKee sport or where were you living? No, I was living, uh, I lived in the south side for a little bit of Pittsburgh, and then uh, I moved to the Edgewood area in a little uh, town called Regent Square. And oh, when I first... I'm very familiar with Regent Square as a, as a Woodland, a proud Woodland Hills grad. Yeah, right on, right on. Do you remember but, what uh, kind of boat that was? Oh, of course I do. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was then my dream boat. You know, I got. Um, it was an Alumacraft 165 competitor tiller. And, uh, I was just, you know, elated. I thought, you know, I would be in that boat right now. Um, it was just the cat's meow for me. And 
I did that. I bought a storage shed up at Chautauqua Lake and I would keep it up there. So I didn't have to city slick when I was playing nurse. And uh, I would literally work those three shifts in a row. And then I would drive immediately to Chautauqua. And did you guys, did you guys have a family place there or how, where do you stay? No, we did, did not. I mean, I, would, I was, I mean, if I was feeling fancy, I would get a hotel room. Uh, but I usually stayed in the storage shed <laughs> or at the boat ramp. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and awesome. I didn't, I didn't know anybody at that time. You know, I, I, I just went into it blind. I had a boat. I wanted to go after some muskies and uh, it was just me out there. And I, I think really that was the building blocks to uh, my success in fishing was just being able to go out there. I was by myself. I didn't have a circle. I didn't have any friends, no skin in the game. And I just went out there, got my butt kicked, and just now kept what, going and going. I guess you just chose Chautauqua because of the family trip up there every year? Had yeah. Some experience? Absolutely, yeah. I was comfortable there. I knew that lake very well. We would fish it at night when I was young. Um, and so I, I really learned the lake and, and the lay of it while it was pitch black out. So I was extremely comfortable there. Um, and I passed up, you know, great, great musky waters on the way there, but I, I eventually ended up there just because of my familiarity with it. I've slept, uh, I've slept with Dano there at the boat ramp in the same vehicle at time. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Many, Dan's many nights. Yeah. That's, that's the fire brother. That's what that's called. It's the fire. Dan, shout out Dan because you know Dan. Dan hooked me up with that uh, that wire cable from his from his yeah. job. Well, I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't say that on the air. Yeah. <laughs> Have to edit that part out. <laughs> yeah, just been fired. Don't want Dan getting fired. Yeah. yeah, I didn't say it, so we're we're square. <laughs> I, uh, no, I just had to comment because the other thing is like, and, and we'll we'll probably get into this more. But I've I've had the opportunities to fish with you, and all of the things we've talked about so far kind of speaks to your ability to essentially work hard. You know, you, you talk about the fire, you know, I think that's like, for me, that's what draws me to like being able to fish with you and go out. You know, even though we've only done it a couple of years, like it's that passion, it's that fire. It's the, the want to work hard to do what you want to do, do what you love to do. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's the biggest thing. Like it, I don't know if I want to use the term ooze, but you, you, you ooze that, you know, that's something that is very evident when you talk to you. And I, I just, I, I love it. Nick's just giving me all kinds of jerk faces. See gestures. No, but I mean, seriously, all the stuff we've talked about, like I didn't, I would never have the balls to just quit doing what I was essentially told to do, you know, growing up work yeah, hard, get the job. Big. Yeah, that's big. And you can go on like Instagram and, follow the rock and you, you can hear all that believe achieve succeed bs that they put out there i mean that's good for some people but it really i you know i think when you're born you're predestined to do some things and you eventually find it um you have to have genetics for it um and it, it was like when you first get into musky fishing and it's my story's not unique or anything i think it carries levels in in the industry um it's it's tough to even just say I'm going to musky fish. I'm going I'm 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 done with everything else. I'm just gonna concentrate on muskies. That's that's hard to do. Um, you know, in my life, yeah, was it tough to do that stuff? Did I have to, you know, 
have annoying relationships with my parents when I was young. Yeah, absolutely. I was growing up. That's what, you know, that's what you do as a kid. If you're, you're from a structured family. Um, and I was, I was blessed to, to be in a structured family and kind of there, uh, just like being kind of passive about it and sometimes aggressive as well in saying that it was a bad choice, uh, kind of just, that was my drive to say like, let's, let me just give me a couple of years. Let me see what I can do with this. And you, I'm see, gonna, you seem I'm to me to be a re- relatively pragmatic type of guy. I assume you had some type of a business plan. You didn't like completely willy nilly say, I'm going to go and like give up my career to do this. You, you had something, right? I had something because I had those four days off, you know, and then in, in like nursing and, and I always knew I wanted to do something else. And, you know, just the American way is, you know, get, get your degree. You need to get your more degrees. You need to get a master's. You need to get a doctorate, all this BS and have bosses for the rest of your life. And I really didn't do good with authority. I did not like get to where I'm at by just listening to what everybody's always said. And, um, you know, so, so what, I just, but you say so you remain, you, you remained as a nurse for three days a week and then you, what were you, you guiding four days a week or eventually it got to that, you know, but those other four days in, in the uh, early stages of, of my, uh, my boat owning, uh, and, you know, just my, I guess my, my nursing career, I always knew I wanted to do something different and it wasn't going back to school. Cause I knew like it, it's just like an acclimation of debt. I'd be still paying it off today. Who knows if I'd even be here. Um, but, I knew that what I didn't want to do uh, motivated me for, for something else. You know, I had no idea that I would fall into guiding and, 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 uh, but, you know, life finds a way and uh, in some, you know, with, with some things and and good things eventually happen. And I was just kind of waiting for that breakthrough uh, to figure out what I want to do. I mean, this is just kind of like talk about what everybody goes through when they're, when they're younger, but I mean, I think it's very important. Um, in, How old were you when you gave up on nursing and just said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do pursue my passion full time"? Uh, Twenty five. That's 25. young. Yeah. Yeah. I did it for a couple of years and then I just bounced. But uh, and I would just, I would just fish, and you know, I used those those four days to be just practicing and i you know i want to be good at this i want to practice and practice and figure it out and i was doing it alone and uh you know that helped me that helped me uh make the next step How do you at, run at, this point, at this point i still did not know i wanted to guide you know? yeah how do you uh end up running into andy and todd so todd was a guide up there and he uh he had guided up there for some like six seven years or something like that when when we first met and he kind of has a, a a similar story uh as as me and in, in the aspects of uh just fishing there his whole life that's where he fished with his family as well so i look up a guide just because i want to just bounce some ideas off of i don't want to go out like it's not like I was in that learning stage. So I was very driven. I just needed to bounce an idea off of somebody. So I didn't have friends up there. I didn't have like a musky zinc chapter, nothing like that. So I just get got on the internet. I looked up Chautauqua Lake guides. I get in the boat with Todd uh, in 2011, something like that. And I was just bouncing ideas off of him. 
And, uh, you know, we went out and I, I didn't want to do it to catch fish. I wanted to learn to see if I was attacking things the correct way. And I learned a lot on that charter. And from there, we developed a friendship and we didn't even catch a fish that day. We got, it was absolutely terrible. And I could care less because I, it, he showed me, um, he showed me that what I was doing wasn't so um, incorrect, even if I didn't have good days on the water. That's kind of the exact same scenario I had when I first met Andy, just a nice, you know, friendly guy that would, uh, I'd throw out an idea and I'd get either a, a look like. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So like with Andy, with Andy, Todd, Todd and Andy were in the, the big beginning stages of their business uh, relationship and friendship. So, uh, you know, obviously hanging around Todd and um, after that charter, I wanted some lures and we just kind of developed um, a friendship uh, from there. And, uh, all of a sudden here comes Andy. They want me testing baits and things like that. And I still don't know anybody outside of Todd and Andy. And I mean, I went and met Andy the first time I picked up these lures and it's hilarious because I had him paint up these custom colors for me. And he absolutely hates doing that. Hmm. Uh, and still to this day, and I had him, uh, paint up these custom colors and he was very nice about it because, you know, we, we never met before. And so, of course, he was extremely nice. If I asked him to do that now, he would tell me to hit the bricks. But uh, so looking back at that story, I tell him, you know, I want this color, this color, this color on jerk baits. And uh, he made them up for me. I met him at his house in Edinburgh. It was the first time we met. It was very dark because I had just worked a, a nursing shift. I got off at 730, went home, showered, boom, hit the road, started driving north from Pittsburgh and stopped at his house at like 10 and picked up these, these lures and uh, just introduced myself and, and, and kind of, then I went up to my uh, shed, my storage shed and illegally slept there. <laughs> what kind of baits was Andy making back then? Was it the Raptors or uh, I, I don't know the history of, of the, yeah, the bait making side of things. It was, uh, it was the Raptors and it was like the first year of the Raptor where they were, uh, they were, they were testing it together. Andy and Todd had met at a show. Andy was making swim baits, which now I have acquired the whole thing for, for the swim bait line. Um, but Andy made swim baits. Todd was guiding for some years. And he goes up to Andy. He's like, I need something that gets down easy uh, for clients. And Andy was making this nice uh, paddle tail rubber bait, the swimmer. So he gives some to Todd. They develop a relationship. There's some fish photos exchanged. And then, you know, Todd finds out that this guy can pretty much make anything uh, that you could imagine because he has an engineering background and he's just one of those kind of brilliant minds. Um, he can do anything. So Todd's like, I'd like a jerk bait that gets down with ease. And he's like, okay, let's work on it. And eventually uh, that became the Raptor. And it was the Raptor that Todd handed me in 2011 when I, um, got off the charter with him and he said, use these. And it kind of just, uh, all was a domino effect. Uh, after that, the friendships, um, became bigger. Todd asked me to fish tournaments with him and things like that. And, um, you know, it went from there. I, 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 I started to, to know Andy as well because of that. So, so you and just, Todd fished tournaments before you got 
into like business with him guide wise. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we, we did that. We, and it, you know, and, and I, he, he just was kind of feeling me out, you know, you gotta be careful with, uh, you know, he was running a business and he was making a, looking to make a business decision for his overflow because people would call and he say, I can't take you out. Uh, but there's another guy. So he was like, I'll bring on another person. And that was, that was me. I had to prove that, uh, you know, that I was loyal and, uh, talented enough to, to work with people. And he offers me to be his partner and, uh, and that's, that's kind of where it, it, it went from there. Um, and I was, how, I did just you remember get in, how did you get cut into the debate making side of things? Because uh, early on, I said I would do whatever they needed. And then now <laughs> I'm doing a lot of things. <laughs> I'm doing a ton of stuff. And, uh, you know, Andy's definitely taking advantage of that. I'm now painting hard baits, soft baits, making all that stuff. And Andy's like, yeah, go ahead. Have at it, Good. kiddo. That's, that's, what, that stuff's interesting. So that's fun. Yeah. When and how did the podcast thing come along? Did that come along after? Right, yeah, the whole... you guys have like 587 episodes. Or something. Yeah. Well, because you guys did Andy... it long before it was like the thing. Like now everybody has it. Like we have a podcaster yeah, we have on a, a podcast, podcast talking about his podcast. Like everybody has one now. You guys did it before it was like the cool oh, thing. Exception. Yeah, it was it was just an idea. Andy and I had been, would listen to podcasts. Um, I would listen to you know, like big name, pod, the big name podcasts you would see that pop up on anything like the Rogans and things like that. And, and w- I was over at his uh, old shop and we were assembling lures and stuff. And he's like, we should do a podcast. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'd do one. Why not? And it, that's literally what happened. I mean, we were in, we were working together and then I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, well, we got to see if Todd can do it too. And Todd's a little bit like he, he, he had no idea what a podcast was and really nobody did. And this was only you know, in 2015 at this point. And Todd's a, a little bit older than, than both of us, uh, just a generation. Um, and, you know, we were just like kind of nervous that he wouldn't be like down with it. You know, like what I'm not doing this. This is a waste of time, something like that. But he was, he, he eventually, uh did a little research and got excited about it and all three of us were on board and one day we just picked up the microphone and started talking and it was on like an iphone 5 plus <laughs> and that's what we you know started our first podcast with and uh it was so awkward because we didn't know what to do um and so andy just kind of hits record and we're all there talking and we're just like we already know everything what are we going to talk about our first podcast is hilarious because we're just being like oh hey fella how are you like what's your background <laughs> yeah. kind of like what we're, were doing you guys here, but... all in the same room to do that first podcast uh no todd came... me and andy were uh at his shop together um and that's where it came from hi this is andy i'm joined by vance in the front of the ranger and i was literally just sprawled out on the front casting deck of this 618 or i mean i think it was a 681 and yeah uh, 681 uh ranger and uh i just laid there and kind of like relaxed and kicked my feet back and we sat there and talked and todd came in on the uh via the phone and we literally what did we do there yeah I the love I- some of those 
some of those yeah. old podcasts you can yeah. hear you uh split ring and hooks and stuff in yeah. the background oh yeah we were we were moving around i mean yeah. we, we weren't worried about sound or anything right. at that time and we really weren't worried about sound because that's why i had to be there so i did like hundreds of episodes with andy in studio <laughs> before they put me to slave work um <laughs> and i was like well i really don't feel like driving down to edinburgh right now i'm going to uh you know finish the my side of the baits and things like that but we would we would do that the reason i had to be there with him is because we were literally using my phone to put todd on and recording from andy's phone so todd was on speaker and it was just kind of like touching iphones you know it at the speakers and we were like oh let's see, see what it sounds like you know so it was me and andy in one room todd did you have the iphone the, the iphone scissoring uh yeah, uh, not scissoring. They were like He's touching tips. It was yeah. It was like just like it would be like feet to feet, mm. like that. We had no. It was really I'm just, kinky. I'm just pumped that Vance is keeping it like cute. Like it's just the feet to feet. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was feet to feet. I could I can completely open up here and sound uh, crazy, but I just I don't want to do that. Not on your. I don't want you guys to lose listeners. There we don't want to lose our, our, our five yeah. our five loyal listeners right well that stuff doesn't matter you just got to do it you know you just got to do it whatever it is you know when it stops having fun then something's wrong um that's true you know, and yeah. we've been doing it for seven years now it's crazy i said five years like i was like yeah we've been doing it for five years but like with that whole pandemic thing i just like completely flipped that out of the timeline i'm like holy crap it's been two more years we've been doing it for seven years and uh yeah we definitely were were the first ones and uh we helped set up many podcasts uh from there and you know because people would get a hold of us and be like how are you doing this and i'd be like well Here's what you got to do. You have to get those iPhones touching feet. 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 <laughs> that's incredible audio and, and professionalism. And uh, so we helped get some other guys started. And, uh, you know, there, there's a podcast on everything uh, now. And everybody has their kind of own identity in their podcast. And they're all unique. And uh, I think it's a good thing for the industry. And, um, you know, the more the merrier. That's what I still love. Uh, there's like probably I'm gonna say like six to eight of you guys' earlier ones that I just love. Those are like my go-to road trip, you know, driving across the state. Listen to those and Musky King, yeah. the oh, Musky yeah. King, the Musky yeah. King. Yeah, I, I had I always was like the brunt of something on on our own show. And the old it power was rankings. The power rankings. I loved doing that. I really wanted to bring that back. Um, the power rankings, the musky king, of course, my boat mishaps uh, that are still happening to this day. Uh, remember, people don't change and you're destined to be who you're going to be. And I am destined to uh, catch fish and Have break impeccable boats mechanical prowess and just annihilate gear and in boats. And, and I am still doing that. And I recently have done that again. It's a good thing you have a good sponsor in Vic Sports Center over there yeah. to, to uh, take care of your gear when you. They do take care of me. They answer when I call, and and that's nice. Vix is Vix is a good place. Um, I I recommend 
getting boat stuff done from them. Even if you bought it from somewhere else, you can take it to them and they'll fix it up for you and wire. Vix is a hike from that's a hike from Chautauqua, right? It is. But when you have sweat equity into a boat that is just continually broken, you will drive whatever it takes to get it. One of those things too. I feel like Vix is one of those, like how we always talk amongst ourselves. It's like one of the only Marine places that I've, I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing about them. Yeah. So once you find somebody you can trust, you gotta, you gotta roll with that. Right. I mean, I have been through so many service departments. I've hit up everyone on Chautauqua Lake, everyone around Conneaut Lake, which is, you know, uh, in this little arm of Pennsylvania into New York, uh, into Ohio. And I finally uh, landed on Vix and, uh, you know, Vix, I was doing a charter and my boat was completely dead and uh i didn't know what i was going to do i had a day to day to do it tomorrow i had another day to do the next day and the next day and the next day and i was sitting there dead after a charter and i was just kind of like sitting there plotting what i was going to do next like how can i get out of this boat because this is just a terrible thing i was to that point i had had so many mishaps with it and i was just trying to like hold on to something it wasn't there. It was like a one-sided relationship. I was now, getting. Is that, is that a boat that you had gotten from Vix, or was this before your relationship with Vix? This was before the relationship with Vix, gotcha. and and there, it it's just like there's thing. What I was talking about earlier, like when you work hard, if if you want to just like chalk it up as that something simple, like hard work and blah, 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 and all that stuff and having determination. If you have, if, if you ooze that or whatever you said, um, like-minded minds attract and things just kind of fall into place. Sometimes you could be in a really bad spot on the water and then, you know, think it's over and, you know, your career's over because you just died on the water with some clients. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm met with this, a meeting with Vix and it's on the water. They're up there doing a tournament. I call them. I call Vix. They're like, nobody's in the shop. They're doing the big tournament up there. It's their biggest tournament of the year that they do. It's like the X series. So the pe- the, the secretary that was working at the Vix shop, well, my boat's dead on the water and it's, 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 uh, you know, I got lines tied up on the dock. And I'm just sitting there kicking back and I'm talking to this person. They're like, call Victor, Tommy, here's their numbers. They give me their personal cells. And I call them like, hi, you know, my name's Vance. I'm a guide up here and uh, I'm dead on the water. Can you help me? They're like, oh, we're fishing a tournament right now. Uh, We'll see you after. And so they were going to come and see me right after the tournament. I was like, oh my God, this is great. They ended up just pulling right in. They were just like, yeah, we don't care about the tournament. We're going to take care of you right now. And they, yeah, they hooked me like they still had, uh, what did that tournament go till? They still had like three hours in the tournament and they came and spent it with me. Uh, so I thought that was just big for a, a big character move on, on their end. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, that does not, that's the happen. stuff that gets you business, you know, and they get you, get you customers for life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was blown away and you know how the service industry is and it just, you know, when you find something like that, I was like blown away. And it was just nice that that kind of fell into my lap. It's what I needed at that point. And 
um, for me, not, you know, just drilling a hole in the boat and letting it sink to the floor and try to get some insurance claim. Um, but they, have they, showed up. they showed right up and I will say those podcast episodes of your boat trials and tribulations are like as much, well, uh, as much drama as, or just tugs on the heartstrings of anyone that's ever been in that position of a boat failing you when you need it. And like those, yeah. those episodes are. Yeah. I, I was, everybody's kind of like pillow for. Yeah. Everyone's been there, there but you were story, airing it. They were just like, Oh yeah, that's, that happens to me too. And, and, you know, and so I, like, I didn't feel alone at that time, but you know, you, you just have to open up on, on the airwaves and say, say it how it is, you know, on our podcast, Andy and Todd, it, it's like, they walk on, uh, you know, platinum. They're like, you know, nothing ever happens to me. I'm, you know, <laughs> just so pristine and been doing this for years, but they, they screw up too. They just don't, they don't talk about it as much <laughs> as I do. You know, didn't Todd just well, had an issue I... with his, his motor recently, like last year, the year before. Didn't it he, like, happens hit? often. <laughs> often. It happens <laughs> often. The, prior to the to getting with Vix, you know, Todd didn't want to get a new boat because he had had this one for so long. And, you know, he would talk about his Lund and he loved his Lund. And, you know, he, he, you know, how people get attached to boats. And, you know, if you don't have a boat payment, that's very nice. And, um, but, I mean, it was getting time. The motor had blown up like four times. There's like points where like when we first started the guiding together, I'd be like, how you doing? He's like, not so good. I had to pull out the fire extinguisher. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, that stuff's never talked about. I, I would tell my, my side of that, but I was, it was time for us to get out of boats. One was catching on fire and one was just completely dead on the water. So if we wanted to continue business, we would have to, uh, you know, have a working boat and I developed this relationship with Vix and they were very nice people and it just caught all kind of snowballed from there. And, uh, we eventually ended up in, uh, in Rangers. Fun fact though, about my, um, one of my Alumacrafts, there was a story I told on the podcast where I, I had, we had taken the boat down to Kentucky to do the PMTT and I had, uh, the, the boat was, was malfunctioning. And so I drove it out into the middle of the lake and I was very upset that it was, you know, we were down here doing a tournament and it was malfunctioning. I didn't know if we were going to be able to do the tournament. We had the, you know, six hour drive and some money on the line and things like that. So I drive it out to the middle of the lake and I take this sweatshirt of mine and I bite right through it just to like get out some aggression. And I just smashed the thing. I put a hole in it and I bit it so hard. And then I felt really good after that. But what I had done was I'd cracked the tooth when I did that. And I didn't, I didn't know about it uh, until like, you know, a month later you start getting like pains and then you let it go. You, you don't pay attention to it. And like ever since I did that and it's been nine years since I did that. And this was a, this was a pretty, uh, prevalent story on the podcast where I'd bitten through this sweatshirt and years later I needed to get a root canal on that tooth that I had cracked 
And they're like, how could you have cracked this tooth? And I'm like, oh, I have no idea. But in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I, I cracked it when I bit through a rolled up sweatshirt like an can idiot. You, can you send that bill to the uh, the boat dealer that you got that boat from? No, no, I did not. <laughs> Unfortunately, they did not. They 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 did not cover that. Um, but so like recently, so I had a root canal on it and I don't need to get into dental, but sometimes they take off and sometimes they don't. I started getting pain again this year in that same tooth after it's, it's been operated on like three times. And they're like, yeah, it's not taken off. You're completely cracked all the way through. And it was from that time. And I had this incredible toothache and I had just picked up my new boat. I wanted to take it out and break it in. And this is like a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I go back to the dentist and the uh, general consensus was just like, you know, just rip it out. I'll get a dental implant later. This is all from this stupid boat. It was still haunting me nine years down the line of this, you know, boat that never worked. It still got me in the end. So I pull the tooth and they're like, you know, when you get, you go to the dentist, they're, they're like, you know, can you still feel, can you feel this? Can you feel this? They're, they're trying to numb you up and Novocaine you. It's like one of the worst things in life is, is sitting in the dental chair and I could, I could feel everything. I couldn't get numb. So they're just injecting me and injecting me with this Novocaine. They're like, this is the most we've ever done for this. I'm like, oh, that's, that makes me feel great. Thank you so much. And they were like, yeah, you're probably not going to feel your face for like 12 hours after this. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I just have to like launch the boat and make sure everything works, you know, so I can inevitably break it again. <laughs> and so I, I get out of the dentist after this, you know, I have a tooth extracted. And I mean, I, my, the whole right side of my face is not working and I'm leaking blood like crazy. It is coming out and I have no idea like what to do with it. It's all over my shirt, my jeans. I'm stuffing gauze in my face. I'm driving home to try to get to my boat and, uh, and, and start this antibiotic that, that I had, that I had to uh, take that I had forgotten to take, like just all the stupid stuff that happened, you know, they're like, make sure you get back on the antibiotic because you don't want to get an infection, stuff like that. And I'm driving and I'm leaking and I can't even talk. I'm, I'm talking like this because I have so much Novocaine in my face and then boom, I get pulled over. Oh, I get pulled oh. over. Oh, and I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, I don't Steady. know what I, I what, yeah, it was. I, I didn't know what to do because I was like, man, this guy's going to think like I'm intoxicated or there's something wrong with me. I didn't know what to do. So I just like put all my windows down, tried to gather my, my stuff. Half of my face isn't working. And I grabbed my, my license and my insurance card and all that thing. And I, and I just put them out the window. I just hold him there and this guy approaches me and he sees this man with half of a face that is working <laughs> and the other half is just bleeding profusely and just going down on my shirt. And I'm just like, I just got a tooth extract. I'm trying to show him like a receipt. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm just trying to get home. Go ahead. You, had a, you, you raised your hand. I thought, no, uh, no, 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 no. We were okay. waving to Donnie because Donnie, yeah. Donnie showed up. Did oh, you try and sales pitch the cop on a on a tiller at that point? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> but I, I, he was like, "Listen, I, I got to write this up. It's the end of the month. Just plead not guilty, and we'll work something out." And I'm like, "Oh, that's great. I'm thinking like that's a good thing." But 
you know, I plead not guilty. When am I going to have time to go and fight a ticket? Did he you know, really? I'm say on the that? water until December first. Yeah, 1st. yeah you got to plead. You, you got to plead not guilty, and then they're going to schedule you a hearing date, and you got to go to the hearing. And you know, and he, <laughs> what did he cite you for? Um, he he cited me for speeding. That was it because I hit this. Uh, I was trying to get home, and I was I was out of my element because I was you know had half a face, and I was like literally paying attention to this blood that was dripping all over my car it was on my seats it was everywhere i had no idea you know i had that much blood in me it we might be able live. might be able to work out a promo deal for you with uh <laughs> onc man esquire <laughs> yeah you well, didn't get I, a dui got, man hey <laughs> I got, I, it was not a dui it was not a D, i wasn't driving under the influence i just you know I no, they could have they, they, they could have they very easily could have charged you just for the suspicion of that oh they probably could have I had a I had a receipt there with the time. It was literally like five minutes. I pulled out of the parking lot and I'm trying to get home to just collect myself and and you know try to plan my day with half of a face. And it was just you know all this all this happened. I got pulled over. There's a there's a uh, a store up in this area. It's called Fish USA. It's, it's like a big wholesaling area. I got pulled over right in that area, and well, it's about five minutes. That. It was about five minutes from my house. And the guy was just like, "Get, just get the hell out of here. Go, go. <laughs> You're bleeding. Plead not guilty. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But that that happened. It was just the horror of these, you know, my old boat that didn't work. And because it didn't work, I mean, it did, it did get me in the end here again. Um, but that boat that didn't work and caused me so many issues it opened up so many doors for me and in, in, in meeting people so i'm thankful in that regard so was that the original that was it was that your original boat like when you say you bought your first boat was that the one you're talking about or did you have another boat in between uh it was it was not my original it was my third boat that i had okay. purchased and it was the first boat of its kind that was put on um that was that was released to the public like i had bought the first one they sent me a plaque and and all this stuff and it, it did not it was just a nightmare the entire time it was the first one so they're like congratulations let us know your feedback and i'm like why would they want to know my feedback i was, hmm. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. did the plaque say vance or guinea pig <laughs> that's that's exactly <laughs> what, what it should have said did it's you- not a hoplite is it it is not a hoplite. It, it was it was an Alumacraft. It was a Alumacraft Luma, 205 competitor tiller with a 200 horsepower on it. And uh, oh wow, so it was like a big boat. It was a giant boat. It was a giant casting platform. It was absolutely wonderful. I love the hall. You know, I just don't, and I have nothing bad to say about Alumacraft. Uh, you know, at that point, it there were there was nothing no negative except, except for that it's, it's caused you this type of grief well, yeah, but it, it, it was a a negligence in the setup it, it, there was nothing that that had to do with with the lumacraft in the deal or mercury I'll, I'll i'll pick out a couple of the az episodes for you Owen, to listen to well the, next like time Nick you're was... up to the cottage like Nick was saying, you're kind of known for the boat troubles. Like you're the poster boy for boat problems. And like you said, it's not always your fault. Sometimes it's how they set it up or whatever. And I'd say you probably beat 
shit out of your boat compared to us, like being weekend warriors versus oh God, guide. Yeah. What what advice would you have for the weekend warrior? Like some boat advice as far as keeping your boat in good shape and not ruining it and not breaking teeth, biting towels and mm, yeah, that's that's good. Um well I actually think I would be terrible at advice for that. Um <laughs> and, and the ad- advice that I would say is have a warranty. You know, and yeah. if you're if you're uh if your boat's out of warranty, I, I'm a, a strong believer in once that boat's done with the warranty, you got to sell it. You got to get rid of it uh, while there's still a warranty intact on that boat. So generally boat dealers will have a lifetime haul, whatever the heck that means. I'm sure they would meander their way Mm -hmm. out of that somehow down the line if it was 30 years of age, but the motors and things like that, uh, you know, you got five to six years on them, get rid of them that last year and get a new one. And, uh, you know, financially, if you're financially sound on it and you're not upside down, maybe you can make a little money or cut out even and just use it as kind of like, like a, a car experience, mm-hmm. <clears throat> run it, you know, long may you run is, is a great song about a car. Um, and I think that it should be in the light of a boat as well. You should get rid of your boats when, when that warranty is up because, I probably would have gave up fishing. I wouldn't have been able to afford it uh, with how much, you know, how much stuff I break. Yeah. The, you know, just, just best things of advice is w- with a boat. You have to have a good mechanic. Mm-hmm. If you find them, you need to treat them extremely nice. You know, you should treat your wife very nice. You should treat yourself very nice. Your parents, your close friends and treat your mechanics. They're right there. They're on, <laughs> you know, if you have, 10 people on your fingers who you're supposed to treat nice your mechanics should be one of them if you're in the boating um and have a good mechanic have a good warranty and uh you know go from there i the the weird thing about it is like vix is a big place they sell a lot of boats um they get awarded every year for uh like how many they sell and um that's a good thing. But when I turn my boat in at the end of the year, I get a new one every year through this program and there's pros and cons with that. But like just at the end of the year, I have the boat like where I want it to be. Right. It's running good. Um, and, and I have to then forfeit that to do it again for the, for the next year. When I do that and I go to VIX, they're like, because everything's under warranty and just say, you know, hypothetically I blow up a motor or something like that. They would replace that. And the person that buys it would get a brand new one. Uh, they, which is eerie to me. They tell me this, they say, there is not a person that we've ever had in the shop that puts the hours on motors like you do. So I'm literally fishing the most out of them and they have like all these people come in. So every year it's like a thing just for them to plug it in and see what's going on in these motors and they're baffled that they're lasting this long. And I'm like, how is that even possible? I'm like, you know, and that's where the, the, the great debate where I, you know, especially when I'm fishing in Pennsylvania and I bring this up that, you know, when I launch, I'm usually launching in a Marina and I'm driving by these Johnson two strokes and Tahatsus and all this like old stuff and Mariners and they're, you know, older than I am. And I'm turning in a boat every year. 
and they're saying that the motors are no good. We got to get a new one. I mean, like, well, Tom and I mm-hmm. had to have had this discussion before. Like, why does it feel like we are so far behind with marine and especially outboard technology as opposed to our motor vehicle technology? I mean, holy, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the the engines in these cars will literally run forever. Yeah. But we can't get an outboard to, to well, start regularly. Well, you, you can. I mean, they're old ones, and it's things that you have to wrench down on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you literally can, if you buy a boat now, you literally can do like four things with them. Uh, and maybe five if you're handy with things. You can change the oil and do the lower unit oil. You can change the oil filter, the spark plugs, and the fuel filter, essentially, um, if you're not handy with things. Those are pretty easy. Everything else is computer-oriented. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, a gen- the generations behind us, uh, and when we're gone from this uh, lovely life, uh, they're not, you know, our motors are not going, they're not going to launch at, you know, Lake X and drive by and see, uh, you know, a a Mercury 250 Pro XS from 2022 hanging off of a boat. It's just not, they're not going to be lasting. You know, like how, when I look at those old pontoons and things like that, you know, they, they look like antiques, but they fire right up and people get going with them. You're not going to see that in the future. They're very, very expendable right now. I don't think that's a great thing, but. um, That's one thing. I just did some quick math. Like, I mean, if you're on the water, like for you, you're out there at least eight hours a day, you know, probably for what? How many days a season do you? 265. 265? 265. I did my math on 180, but uh, like at 60 miles an hour, if you're going for a car comparison, Mm -hmm. that's like 86,000 miles. If you're, you know what I mean? So in one year? Yeah, in one in season. one year, yeah. I think like so, we, we like, did that math too, where I had driven to cap like from uh, essentially like Montauk, yeah, up towards like Manhattan and that area to Los Angeles and back, and then a little bit further. That's how many miles I would put on a boat engine if I was trolling those entire those that entire time. But yeah. you know, every every year is different every client is different so it's a lot of mix of both uh right. catching and trolling but that's what so, at, at 265 days you're at 127,000 miles I you bet know, you, if you were trolling the whole time yeah i bet you if i bought if i went and, and just paid cash for a car right now like a junker in the streets and there's a ton of junkers in the in the roads that I'm driving down to get the pine tuning. There's that, that's just like lawn <laughs> ornaments for people. I picked that up, and I decided to drive from, uh, you know, BFE Pennsylvania to L to LA and back. I bet you I could do it in those beater cars. Yeah, but with the boats, it's it's a different story. It it is behind in a sense of life uh you know like shelf life for for the motors um but i think it's it's a world you know it's it steps ahead um of of where it's been you know there's there's pros and cons yeah they don't like live for forever like the old ones did um but 
they run more efficiently and they're easier on gas for the boats in the style of fishing that we're doing. Um, they're quieter, things like that. You're not getting, you know, backfires, um, but they're just not lasting as long. And uh, because of that, that's why I say, you know, a warranty is very important. Once you're out of warranty, if you can't get like an extended or, or something like that, you should, uh, you shouldn't consider Make it getting someone else's problem. Well, not that, but while it's <laughs> under warranty, everything can be, be fixed they literally will yeah, throw yeah, these yeah. four strokes back on 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 boats you know if you don't if you don't want future future problems with it get rid of the boat yeah no better time to sell a boat right now too yep and yeah. no better time to buy one ryan <laughs> it's always a good time to buy them. so uh, vance what what you have a 250 on yours mm-hmm. and then you have a kicker I have a 15 kicker. Yeah. Do you run the kicker when you troll or do you troll with the main motor? I mean, wouldn't it seem to make sense to have the kicker if you didn't use it? Uh, yeah, I have, I, the majority of the hours trolling are all on the kicker. I don't use the big motor to, to troll unless I have blown up my kicker motor, um, which I've done that. Um, but (laughs) usually, you know, my big motor is just getting me from point A to point B, um, or out of an emergency, uh, situation, uh you know other than that the kicker's running and yeah, that's if i'm trolling you know if i'm casting it's you know do the drift hit the structure fire up the big motor run and do it again and uh you know so that's how that's how it is the majority is on those little motors the hours how long ago did you uh like when was your first vix boat how many years ago 17 2017 2017 yeah yeah it was a it was a wonderful boat okay. it was a big jump you know because i went from uh aluminum to a glass boat and uh super nerve-wracking it was the nicest boat i'd ever owned and you know so you you kind of don't want to get it like scuffed up but it happens quickly it's just there's just you no trailer your boat every night uh, well, I'm in Pennsylvania, yes. I, I trailer it. Uh, but when I'm at Chautauqua, I have a place up there. So I am just... Um, so you have a dock? I, no, I, I take it out of the water every night. But like my Chautauqua drive is a mile. My, okay. Pennsylvania, my, my Pennsylvania drive is, you know, anywhere from whatever. It's like a 40-minute 40, 40 or an hour and 15, depending on where I'm launching and what lake. But so you do pull it every night from Chautauqua. Pull it every night. Yep. Very quickly too. What uh, what boat are you running this year? It's a twenty eight Angler uh, from so a Ranger boat. So that's like a twenty one and a half or twenty and a it's, half. I think like it's twenty foot ten inches. It's considered yeah. a twenty foot boat. Um, but I just like that layout for a mix of trolling and casting uh, and what you have to do uh, as a guide. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a cozy boat. There's a lot of uh, open space. There's the ability to walk up to the gunnel. There's jump seats on it. So people don't feel like they're in, in your way if you're trolling. Um, and it's just a, it's just a very cozy boat for a lake that you can always fish and, get out of a weather situation with you know we get four footers on chautauqua at its peak 
Um, and they come in, in, you know, threes and fours and fives and waves at a time, but you can always get in safe with that. Uh, so it's, it's always comfortable on that boat. And that's, that's very important when, when uh, you're doing it for a living and you want everybody to be comfortable. Like when I was in the tillers, I'd be soaked and it, we'd be getting poured on and people would be getting splashed and I would look up at them and I'm like, Oh my God, these people are not having a good time at all. This is a, this is a terrible, <laughs> you know, we might've caught a fish, but this is like a terrible experience for them on this drive back. Cause we had a crosswind. So I was like, okay, I have to get something a little bit more cozy for these people. Cause you know, I'm crazy and would be out there in anything on anything. Um, but that doesn't go for everybody. So you, you kind of, when you, when you do it for a living, you have to, you have to take that into account. Are you, absolutely. Uh, you have any uh, destination trips planned this year? Musky fishing wise? Uh, no, I don't. You know, I gave that up. I used to fish Canada a lot. I would do it once a year. I would go up to the Georgian Bay um, and I fished the St. Lawrence. Um but I have, I have nowhere to go. I would love to go back uh, to Canada. And if there was one place I would go, it would be to the Georgian Bay. I'm just familiar with that water and it's absolutely beautiful up there and there's nobody around. Um, and it's just, it just kind of gets you back in touch with uh, your roots and nature. And there's, there's not much, uh, not much else, but angler versus muskie and, um, no one's there and it's just you you after that fish so that, that i like that that idea i would go there but i'm not going there <laughs> just can't i've can't never in. i've never fished chautauqua and i've never fished with you guys i know several of our our esteemed hosts here have um when you like you just have clients meet you right at the right at the boat launch every morning yeah, it's a comfortable lake to be around at Chautauqua. You know, I uh, we we launch out of Long Point State Park. It's essentially it's it's essentially a, a central location of the lake. And um, in relation to where we were last week for the New York Muskie Expo, how far away is that? Halfway it's down the lake. Halfway down the lake. Yeah. Yes, it's right smack down in the smack dab in the middle, and um, there's a, a western toilet there a heated bathroom and um, there's even a food shack there and that's also something you need to take into consideration uh, when you're having guests on your boat every day um, rather than launching at somewhere that might be closer or you know more fuel efficient for yourself but you know I'd much rather say take your time go use the restroom there's water in there the toilet flushes it's heated or cooled um, then go to use a porta potty or behind a bush. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, so you you have to, you have to think of think about that stuff when you're doing it. The pima tuning, it's a whole it's a whole different animal. They uh, they didn't yeah, have the bathrooms. Those they just are seasonal. And... Yeah, they just opened the bathrooms up. Like it's it's a lot of state park driven things, which is nice. Uh, and and with state parks come like that creature comfort of, of a Western toilet and things like that. But uh, they didn't have them open. So uh, people were like, well, is that restroom open? I'm like, Ooh, I don't think so. And they're just like, well, I'm going to go uh, in these trees over here. And I'm like, 
Excellent. You have to start carrying a urinal on your boat like Donnie does here. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of a, a thing, you know, like having a urinal on the boat. <laughs> I, I used to have one and, you know, I would, with my hospital background, I could get them uh, oh. pretty uh, official liberally. ones, too. Yeah. But then I, I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of gross. You know, these people like don't want to use this, uh, you know, urinal that's been been sanitized by just lake water. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just going to get rid of the thing completely. And there's there's other things that went into that, like, you know, a urinal on the boat. And, you know, if you're casting, it's it's relatively easy to use or somebody can go right over the side if you have, you know, not not such bad, bad weather or wind. Um, but you know, I've been trolling and people have used it. And then the next thing you know, they're going to do this, uh, you know, uh, just really sophisticated sterilization tactic, which is to just put it in the lake <clears> and <throat> with the, the speed of the boat, the next thing you know, the, the girl right just drifting away. And I'm like, <laughs> like I, I dropped it. I'm like, Oh my God. Uh, like, well, you know, I, I, I think we're just going to let that be crappy structure. You know, it sucks that we littered there. We'll try to go back to get it, but if it sinks, we're just gonna let it be structure for the lake. I, gotta, I was busy. probably finding urinals floating around the lake for a solid like month or two, and just wondering <laughs> where the hell they were coming from. <laughs> yeah, but do not pick up unless you were double gloved. Uh, <laughs> the shore washed urinal. And how busy does do. that lake get in the middle of the summer? You know, in in terms of like sport boat wise because it's you know, unlimited horsepower everything are you dodging stuff or can you fish it pretty comfortably all summer long um casting wise you can absolutely fish it comfortably because you can always tuck away but it is very populated it holds uh, a big crowd well uh, because of how large it is um, but when you're casting there's always somewhere where you can tuck in you might be annoyed by you know, the jet ski person that wants to drive in circles or somebody that's cutting you off between the shoreline and where you're fishing, that would happen. It's usually very quick and uh, it's over. It's over very quick. So you can get right back into fishing Uh, where you run into problems with that is if uh, you want to troll and there's a lot of boats say out in the open or on your structure that that you're trying to target. um, They, they tend to get in the way and you're, you're playing like chicken with them. Uh, and that's you generally on the weekends, uh, in the summer of June, July, and August, you know, if you're ever fishing that, that lake and you only have a day to do it on the weekend, you know, you would, I would, I would implore you to still do it. But if you see clouds, rain chances, that kind of keeps that, that, uh, those pleasure boaters in, um, just that much longer. And it, it happens quick. They're out, you know, the lunatics are out early in their, in their boats. Uh, they go in, they start drinking, they come back out. It's a little bit more dangerous between like noon and, and dinner time because they're really uh, sloshing it up and driving around. But then once dinner time uh, ends, they have to get back in and make campfires and get annihilated uh, right. respectfully around the campfire. Weekdays are great. Weekdays are, are, are stunning. I mean, they, they're not bad at all. No one's there on the weekdays. 
it's usually just fisher fisher people so anglers very nice donnie go ahead i was just ask vance if you remember that day uh when uh i was out with you last year with jesse and we, there was that uh Dude and hammered guy on the pontoon who was swimming around, dragging his pontoon around. Okay, <laughs> he almost yeah. got crushed between the dock. We had to tow him. That was oh, incredible, incredibly <laughs> dangerous. I mean, these people were in a bad way physically. Uh, blood alcohol content was, was in Just going to make way. a plug. If you guys don't follow uh, Qualified Captain on Instagram, one of the yeah, finest right. accounts, and it is more or less every type of situation involving a boat that could trouble you just like that. I think there's been some Chautauqua clips on there. Which are we, were, we, were on, we were on this spot, and I had been getting big fish and seeing big fish in this area, so I had the boys there casting, and um, there was a set of docks in front of us uh, that's very vague because that's all over Chautauqua Lake. But there's a set of docks and these people had slips at these docks and we're on a weed line. Let's just say you're in 12 foot of water. They're in close to shore with a pontoon boat and they are the wind is pushing into them it's it's in it's in an unfavorable way it's got about like a mile and a half to build and it is just crushing these people there's a person standing in the water with you know probably a 30 year old rope holding on to their pontoon there's a person inside the pontoon there's two inside the pontoon uh this person's you know trying to direct and yelling down at the person that's in the water. There's also another person on that pontoon who's just completely uh, incapacitated. They're not, they, they are, I mean, it, they look unresponsive. It would be like, you know, going back to my nursing days, like what situation that I've come upon, do I take care of first? This person that is just like passed out or, do I take care of this, you know, boat that's about to be pushed into shore? What's more important in the, in the, uh, in the delegation tree. So we, we get up to him. I didn't want, I didn't want anything to do with them, but the three of us kind of were like, you know, it's, it's just kind of a, a, a respectful thing to go and help them in the water. And, uh, hell was so, that? Yeah. What was that? A motorcycle? <laughs> that was a hog going by. Yeah. Is that you, Tom? I will. That's a chopper going by. Sounds no, like I mean, was, that, was that in your house? That was not in my house. I hope not. No, that I was mean, outside, outside of my your house. house. Oh yeah, I still hear him. Can you still I think hear I this heard guy? Him again. Yeah, I still hear him. He's he must have a giant dick. He must have a giant oh. penis. Giant penis. Guaranteed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we we go up onto these people and and. The, the three of us were just like, let's go and help these people out. They're in a bad spot. It's respect. It's, it's something that's annoying, but it, it's, it's a courtesy just thing. If I was in that situation, me. I would hope that somebody would help me out. So we go and help these people out. I mean, this person that was in the water, he was like 90 years old. And then there was the guy that was directing um, orders at him who was, you know, beat red from, uh, having a thousand beers and oh, Jesus Christ, they, they were just in such a bad way. So we, we, we hook up to them and we're like, get the, and, and we're facing this wind. So we're trying to get to this person and, and, you know, we're being also forced into shore because we're in shallow now 
And, you know, we need to get this person quickly, attach them to out. a cleat and get them out, you know, as quick as we can. And this, you got hammered men, you have passed out woman who's incapacitated, you have elderly gentleman who's like swimming and trying to swim in the water and pull this boat in like two foot waves. It's just absolutely insane. And we, we get it hooked up. I remember, I remember yelling at the gentleman, like get, get on the boat, get on the pontoon and uh, doing it just as I, as I'm talking now. And then like, <laughs> I think God, uh, uh, Jesse, who was, was also out with Donnie and I, he was, he was a little bit more for, forceful with it. So the guy got on and I just remember tying it onto the back cleat and like just ever so clearing uh, you know, danger with like a hard left to port turn and some thrust of the motor. Uh, we almost like either clip the boat or, you know, hit bottom or something crazy like that. But we get them, we get them out and we're like, okay, where do you need to go? And they're like, there's my dock up there. And I'm like, you know, where is it? And he's like, it's the one that's like peppered in Miller light uh, <laughs> flags. And we're like, oh, that's true. You know, what, what a coincidence. <laughs> and we dude, we let go of that rope and timed it so perfectly that those drunkers like went head first into that dock. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it, we gave him a good lead because he couldn't he couldn't do it. I remember the guy that was beat red, um, the thousand beer man. He just like did this like very unathletic jump into the lake and he like grabbed it, but the boat was just head first right into the Miller light uh, signs. Flags. It was, it was perfect. Banners. Yeah. That, yeah, that was, was hilarious. No, <laughs> that was a lot of fun that day. <laughs> I remember that now so vividly. Yeah. That was hilarious. I couldn't believe it. we were looking at him like, like what's going on over there? And you see these guys like like flailing in the water and shit. And like, oh Jesus Christ! Maybe we should. Sh do we leave? Do we go check on them? Yeah. Do we? Do we just ignore this? Like, we didn't see anything. <laughs> looking back on the looking back on the years, what are some of the other like crazy, ridiculous things that you've seen out there like that? Because I'm sure you see a little more than we do. Being yeah, there every I mean, day. See, you've seen you see uh, boats that sink. Um, just recently this past year there's a business up there that has uh put like go-karts on the water they're called and they're these like little like eight foot like personal vessels with a 50 on the back of them so they're what? like scooting yeah they're called go-karts on the water oh yeah absolutely oh, insane i watched no naturally they're, they're renting them out and um i know the gentleman that owns this business and he um i'm watching this kid and he's he's timing up things where he's trying to jump wake on these go-kart things but they're they're situated on like two pontoon flotations that are kind of pointy um like you know the front of your boat if you will how, mm -hmm. how it comes to that taper so there's two like really slender things that are keeping this thing afloat and they're kind of at water level and uh so when when this kid's jumping this wake he he jumps one that's kind of substantial and he just plows through it he doesn't raise up over the wake those two 
uh, you know, pointed pontoons just kind of catch that wake and it just does a front flip and sends the two people that were in this go-kart water just tumbling out oh, and man. this 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 go-kart is now up, upside down and i call the gentleman i'm like you got a problem here man i mean this guy just did a, a you know a front double front flip and uh you know your your motors sunk you go over there they're okay um everybody's safe but obviously this thing is is uh swamped and, and trashed um so i i've seen that um <laughs> yeah it, it there's just something every year uh where people do crazy things on waters uh that that you're fishing and uh, if you pay attention, you know, musky people, they're either looking at their graph or looking into the water, you know, but if you take, if you're bored and you want some entertainment, if you pick your head up and watch what's going on, you will see some of these catastrophes happen, but you do have to take action because you can't be a jerk on there. Um, and, you know, there's no, there, there's rules on the water, but it's not like, uh, you know, there's lanes, you know, the, the, turning lanes and a right and left lane and stop signs and things like that. So, uh, you know, these people get out there, they start boozing up they drive around and that's mm -hmm. what makes entertaining, uh, you know, like the qualified captain thing that, that was, that was brought up, uh, you know, entertainment. Most How of them have that? either completely forgotten all those rules for the water or never learned. Them. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't care. How many yeah, other guides are there? Not just musky uh, fishing, but like how many other people make their living based on the fishery up there? Well, there's a hatchery that makes their living up there. There's okay. um, there's marinas that make their living up there. Uh, Todd and I are a full time guide up there at Muddy Creek. Uh, we make our living up there. There's a couple other guides. Um, thriving bait shops up there. There's uh, there's there's two bait shops on the water. There's uh, Chautauqua Real Outdoors. He is also a guide for um, all species uh, throughout the season up there. But you can go in there and get some musky lures um, and you know crappie and walleye and he, and he even does a hunting uh, when when the hunting season comes around. You can go there. Uh, that gentleman's name is Mike Sperry. And then there is uh, Hogan's Hut, which is a general store. You can get musky lures there as well and bait and live bait. And you can also do that at the other, the, the other shop as well. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. There's a handful of guides. There's some walleye guides. There's some bass guides, uh, musky guides. It's, it's a happening place. And, but from, memorial day to labor day it's it's a uh, very tourist oriented um and there is a big pulse of of uh chautauqua energy going on up there it's a it's a fun place to be it's family oriented um there's a lot of stuff to do and see around the lake but i truly believe the best thing is uh what is underneath that water line and it's the muskies it's a fun time what do, you, what do you do all year up there do you do you have a camp someone say you have a camp or like in uh you have a camper yeah i have a camp up there and uh that's where i stay for six months out of the year and i essentially live there but i'm, I'm on water more than land so 
we all know that you are a new father. Congratulations. Um, yeah. You know, relatively new father. I know it's not like super new. Uh, it just but, six months. Had a yes, six yeah, month I'm checkup just, today. Isn't it amazing how that flies, man? 99 percentile everywhere. Uh-huh. A big boy. Very, very <laughs> uh, incredible experience. And I absolutely love it. People call and, it a job. It's not a job. It's it's the coolest thing in the world. And it, it changes, I know it changed me professionally significantly, you know, and how I worked, how I had to figure out how to work. Um, I mean, obviously I'm not out on the water. I, my job isn't, you know, seven days a week like yours is, you know, on a personal note, you know, how do you, you know, have you given much thought, like are you going to be traveling back and forth more or, you know, what's your plan? Well, we, I mean, you just, we kind of planned I kind of set some things up to be, to be ready for these things. Um, you know, there's an area where we can live at Chautauqua Lake. There's a place where we can live in Pennsylvania and uh, you know, you don't plan for a kid. There's never like a, a planning time. You never want know when it's going to be birthed and things like that. You know, you're taught in school that, you know, if you essentially look at a girl, you can get her pregnant. That's not the case. You know, if you could do that, I would have, chose for the baby to be born on December 1st, the first day I'm off the water, you know, but that's just not how it happens. It comes in the middle of the season, whatever. Um, and, you know, there, there really is no plan for that. You just have to, I kind of built a base, uh, or, you know, around having a child. I, I think that people should do that. It should be a responsible decision. Like, okay, you know, we're ready to have a child. Um, and, uh, you just kind of try and disaster plan as, as best as you can because uh, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, there's so many intangibles. This is baby going to sleep through the night. Is it going to be a good sleeper? Is it going to be crazy? Um, you know, there's doctor's appointments and things like that. But we, you know, we set up everything uh, as, as best as we could uh, to um, make life easy one day at a time and to take it one day at a time. Uh, with a child to still be able to um, live life and work and, and things like that. You yeah, can't I mean, stop working. You gotta, I, I always used to tell my wife, like when she would complain about how much, I shouldn't say complain, you know, when it's, it's hard when the wife is home, you know, dealing with the kids and I'm at work, you know, but I used to say, imagine, you know, imagine military families, you know, imagine, you know, where, where you got to be gone for nine months at a time, you mm -hmm. know, these families, you know, you kind of, everyone has to deal with their own adversities, but you've got to make sure that you put that as a priority that, Hey, you know, I'm not going to let my job overtake my, my family priorities. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I set that up, you know, set up lifestyles, like little stupid things, like having a place for, for them to be, uh, when I'm, when I'm working, but like, uh, coming home at night is big for me to have a presence to, uh, be involved with, um, you, you know, just to, generality like you know bedtime routines and things Dude, like bath that. time bedtime routines man Just, it's like the biggest thing one of to this day my kids are still like uh, you know it's still one of the things that I, it's part of my my routine is because it's, it's it's something you can count on you can yeah. and if you commit yourself to be there every night your kids will know that you're going to be there every night 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I love I love the boy to death, but you know, I, I'm was huge on the idea of you know kids aren't supposed to change your life for something. There's you, they are to adapt to what you're doing already, and you should set yourself up for that. It did not change my life much. You know, I love the kid. I felt like we were ready for it. And um, it just, you, a, a lot of people put a negative light on, you know, just, ho, 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 wait till you have kids. And then once you have kids, they're like, ho, 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 wait till he's, you know, 18 months. No, yeah, 18. I mean, there's always the, the, like, know, the, it's the like, scared, trying to scare you well, into. Like, yeah, okay. I, well, I wouldn't have one if I didn't feel like I was, I was ready for it. You know, you, you got to be you got to be it's a challenge to to raise a kid and you take adversity as it comes you know everything everything's been smooth it's it's an absolutely beautiful blessing to have a child there's many people that can't have children you know It, it but you have to set yourself up where it doesn't change your life in a negative light and uh you have to be ready ready for that and and ready to uh, change on a dime and, and be able to, uh, you know, have a professional life and then have a family life. Those are very, very important things. And, uh, you know, it's take it one day at a time. And that's what I, what I plan to do. Everybody's a little different. And, uh, you know, when, I'm when, not at, when not at Chautauqua, where do you guys live? Like how far from Chautauqua are you? I'm about 50 minutes from Chautauqua Lake. Oh, dude, that's not that's not bad at all. I mean, no, no. And, and like I said, I have a place up there. So like in the summer we're living up there. Yeah. You know, so, and do you, uh, do you think you'll put him on his first muskie this year or next year? <sighs> Crap. You know, I don't know, man. It, I'm thinking this year it's going to be tough to sneak it in, but uh, cause I'm doing those evening charters and stuff like that. But I'm thinking like maybe in September, of this year, I can drop clients off, have you know, have meet me at the boat ramp, and I could probably get before he's one year, one years old, him uh, with a picture with a muskie and intrigued by it and touching it and, and stuff like that, you know, feeling the slime and and then people Has will be like, on the boat yet, that Vince? kid killed that fish because he touched the slime of the yeah. fish. I was going to say, you have to make sure the picture is him with boga grips and like a vertical hold oh. up on the front. Like, just so the internet goes nuts. <laughs> yeah, look at look at that kid holding that musky hey, like he's, that. Yeah, he's mishandling it. <laughs> I've had, yeah, absolutely. I've had him in the boat. And you know, one thing about kids is like, uh, the, the thing that changes a lot is like me trying to fend off things from like parents and grandparents sending them them gifts and stuff and i'm like we got like we have everything we need we don't need toys and things like that you know i have things like boga grips he picks it up he freaking <laughs> hits hits like the floor with it you know a pair of needle needle nose pliers a bag all things that would probably get me arrested for saying this on live air <laughs> but it's very monitored um and but he's been in the boat uh he's crawled around he's pushed some buttons and you know i'm just i'll get him involved in that one in like a water life uh early so it's it's not um like super scary for him and i'll try to get him a musky this year we'll see what happens that's a goal that's what my buddy's son he loves like 
from probably like right around a year, we gave him a, a Wiley King without hooks on it. Yeah. And he'd just, you know, clack it around yeah. right at the joint. He just loved that thing. It was like his favorite thing in the world. And then yeah, they uh, don't need they don't oh, need yeah. toys. They, you, they can just play with what you already got. Flip through the uh, through Muskie Hunter and the Muskie Ink catalog, and he just points at every fish. Oh, that, oh, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. That's uh, Andrew, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, Sun Ryan. Yeah, that's really really cool. Oh yeah, that's really really cool. He's click clacking boga grips like a dad at a barbecue clacking the tongs. All right. Hey, bogus are bogus are a, a touchy issue, but you know I'm I'm a strong believer in them just being a, another tool for the arsenal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, there's so many yep. touchy issues like that, which you know it's you know I think for the beginner musky fisherman, you you see this type of visceral reaction to something like a vertical hold or a boga grip, and it makes you not want to screw up not want to put yourself out there to be made fun of because, Oh my goodness, you, you know, you hand, you, you, you use the wrong grip. You know, I think there's a lot of that in musky fishermen where you kind of get shamed about things, which, you know, That's why is, worse has, a, has anyone never found a boga grip? Like, like inside, like that, that actually you can prove a boga grip killed a musky. I mean, I'm sure if you really tried to, but like I'd, the casual, I dropped mine over use. the side of the boat, and it might have hit one on the head on its way to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I don't use them. I just drag them right up on shore, yeah, let them flop nice around in the mud, flip them right in the boat. It's it's a touchy subject. The only thing I can <laughs> say about it is it, it's a tool when when used correctly. It's it's very uh, it's very right. important, yeah. and and I almost I implore people to get that quicker than to get a freaking net if they're uh with with some of the styles of fishing donnie did you say you were boat flipping muskies is that what you said there is there another way to do it no okay. right into the live well so to make Dude, sure i heard that right right into the grill <laughs> oh, hilarious. what else uh what else do we have for vance here? donnie i heard i heard you you uh caught a fish on a particular bait yeah well, he was one late of my tonight. favorite raptor tonight Wow. It's my uh it's an OG mud puppy. Wow. Before the before the white head. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it did not have the white head on it. It's yeah, like, I have a lot of those. Those are my favorite ones. Yeah, me too. I don't have a lot of them though. Maybe hint hint. And we, we I only think, have one. I don't I don't think the I don't think the white head is is any worse or better than uh than the ones that we didn't do with, with yeah. the white heads. This was just this but was actually if we wanted to uh if we wanted to just kind of like sales grab people and be uh complete jerks about it, we could be like, you know, we came out with the old school right. mud puppy. It doesn't have the white head. They key in on that on April, what is it, the twelfth? Yeah. At seven thirty PM. That's when you want to <laughs> use that one without the white head. That's that's when you get OG. them. That's I feel what, like you'd have to redesign the Raptor first, though. Well, you know, I, I we, we probably would. We probably would have to, and then that would make Andy very mad, and <laughs> he it would it would take a lot of convincing. But I have a I have a legit Vance. 
that was is my first one of the season. Oh, congratulations, uh, so, bro! Yeah, yeah but Blew but Donnie off. Donnie was Your the first net man as a dad. Yeah, Donnie's a that's dad true. Too. I, I Donnie was one lot on over the weekend, but Donnie, yeah, do you hear about, about that one too? Donnie Iris. <laughs> yes, you know sir. who Donnie Iris is? Hell yeah, of course we no. know who Donnie yeah, Iris is. We're from Jesus Pittsburgh. Christ. I once did a karaoke in college, and this is just off the cuff. You know that song, uh, like, We Didn't Start the Fire? Of course. R.E.M. No, that's completely Pretty wrong. Sure it's Billy Joel. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's Billy right. That's Billy Joel. Holy shit. <laughs> My goodness. I'm like... I'm, I'm thinking of what's the what the hell is the REM song that they? I don't know. It's like they it, the fast doesn't song. REM sing like everybody hurts. It's the yeah, end but of that's the world as we know. Yes, it's that's that it. One. Okay, yeah, that's it. Those <laughs> okay, are the so those we... are the two songs I'm getting confused, Donnie. <laughs> two, two, two different of, Yeah, all good. But this has Pittsburgh ties with it. In that song, we didn't start the fire. The guy is just naming things that I I can't follow. I've never been able to me- memorize it. It's like he's naming presidents. He's naming Marilyn Monroe. So I do this karaoke night. This is back when I was in college many years ago. And I pick it up and this song's playing. And I, it's my turn to sing. And somebody had picked the song for me to sing and they, they didn't show up. So I just kind of like freehanded it. I was just going. And I said, uh, I just kept repeating Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin, Donnie Iris. Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin, Donnie Iris, to the tune of the song outside of the refrain that everybody knew. So, Donnie Iris, Swink. I can't say, I, I can say Donnie Swink, but in my head, I'm saying Donnie Iris Swink. And I'm okay, pronouncing it Iris. Donnie R. Donnie R. Okay you guys remember the old uh, DV CSI Pittsburgh skits by any chance? I remember the pants and that skits. Was he saying like uh, there were, I think on that they said that there was somebody in a bar that came outside. He was in an Eric Pegram jersey. Yes, 100%. And he had passed away. Because Donnie Iris had rocked his, his socks off. Donnie Iris had rocked that man to death. That's what. <laughs> did you hear the same thing I did? Yeah. Like, oh my god, dude, that was amazing. I, I still talk about that, like with with my buddies. We 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 do like spoofs of that. But like when we first heard it, and they were just like playing the thing on Yinzers, I was dying. That was so funny. Donnie Iris uh, rocked his socks off. Pursuta was the uh, was the CSI agent in that one. Mm. That was good. That's good stuff. Those old DV skits are amazing. Oh, they were wonderful. Absolutely stunning. He goes, Pursuta goes. So what you're telling me is, Donnie Iris rocked this man to death. And he goes, you see him up close in a small venue like that? Doesn't seem (laughs) so impossible. (laughs) Dude, I saw I saw Springsteen. At uh, Soldiers and Sailors of Pitt, this is a very intimate, uh, like, venue. Very small. And Prosciutto was there. He's a big Springsteen fan. And we happened to be in the bathroom at the same time. And this, for anybody that's listening to this, 
this is a uh, popular radio station in Pittsburgh. And this guy's on there, Mike Prosciutto. And he covers the Steelers and all the sports. Well, he's there. And we're in the uh, in the John together. And he clogs this toilet. <laughs> and, like, the, the, the toilet's in uh, the urinals in Soldiers and Sailors were the ones that go to the floor. You know what I mean? They, they go all the mm-hmm. way down to the floor. They're not the ones that are just, like, yeah, halfway up. So he clogs it, and it's spilling <laughs> water all over, over the floor. And this was when I was, like, when these skits like first came out and I kept screaming, I was like, Bershita, clog at the toilet. And then I would call in to this radio station when I was in college. And I would, I would always try to get through to say that, you know, he clogged the toilet at this, uh, at this venue and it never worked. I mean, I, I didn't get through, but I mean, we I love a like, good crazy, crazy that the screeners didn't want that through. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's a terrible thing. <laughs> we love a good bathroom story around here. Oh yeah, that's good. I I hope people don't like that we go off topic on musky. Uh, not all about musky talk, but no, this gets off the rails more often than it's on yeah, the rails. Very easily, we we go off the rails very easily well, here. Here, I got one to get us kind of back. I don't know if this is fair game, but to get us kind of back on the rails, I wanted to ask about the hashtags and where they came from. Because I don't know the full story or like where exactly they originated from. I know I see them everywhere. I know other people use them. Which ones? I mean, all day. All, them, life. all day. They're on the hats now. The, the Big Chess Nation. The... Oh. Where did where where did these get born at? Uh, my head. Okay. Uh, so like all day, I have no idea uh, why I started that, but it was just because I was fishing all day long. Okay. And I thought it sounded cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fishing all day, so it's like muddy creek fishing guys all day, baby. The, the all day hashtag or persona, um, it, it, it goes back to just trying to outlast a muskie. I will do this all day. I will outwork the muskie. Um, and that's just kind of um, my mentality when I get out on the water is, is uh, the, ability, the ability to outlast the muskie. Um, and I'm going to take all day to do it. And so that was just kind of like, what it what it uh what it stems from you know i'm out here all nice. day i'm gonna crush them all day pretty deep that's what like the mentality you have to have before you get on the water uh you know i think you have to have that aggressive um work ethic and mm-hmm. uh just be confident prior to stepping on the water because you don't want to be defeated um prior to launching your boat or taking a cast on a bank, you have to uh, be confident that you are going to outlast these things all day long and beat them. You and Todd, do you uh, consider yourselves to have differing styles? Like if if, if, if one of you troll more, one of you cast more, or is it pretty much similar patterns? Uh, I mean, we have 
we definitely have different styles, but we have, uh, like we use the same, same strategies. Um, but we're definitely two different fishermen and, uh, you know, Todd fishes a different way. I fish a different way, but we have the same mentality and the same strategies. Uh, and you guys communicate you know. throughout the day, like, you know, talking about whether someone's <laughs> seeing fish or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I call it getting glove box because I'll text Todd. I'm like, hey, Todd, I'm having a, a really good day. Hey, Todd, I'm having a really bad day. And I won't get a text until like four <laughs> hours later because he's throwing his phone in the glove box or something like that. <laughs> um, but he's just like, yeah, well, I just wasn't checking my phone. I'm like, well, you know, checking your phone is, is an important thing to do in the kind of phone answering business that we're in. But um that's just uh different different uh styles two different yeah, people but is there a yin and a yet you know what i mean like there's a lot of times a lot of times you kind of need that you need one to be the straight guy one to be the 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 you know the yeah, off I guy a little you. bit I, yeah I, I completely agree with that i mean um yeah we're that's why why we have a continued relationship and business relationship is because we we offset each other well, and Todd's um, the older, wiser, and uh, more experienced one than myself. Um, but more more experienced than than a lot of people. Um, yeah, it would seem like Todd is pretty much more experienced than just about anyone in you know in North America. Yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. He's fished Chautauqua Lake a lot longer than I have, and Pennsylvania Lakes a lot longer than I have. He's he's a lovely human, and he's a uh, he's just a wealth of knowledge too. But we are completely different people, you know. His <laughs> boat's all white, my my boat's all black, you know. He sprays his boat out at the end of the day. I do not. Um, I break my boat a lot. He doesn't, um, you know. So. It's you, just have, a, you have a bimini he doesn't exactly he likes to get rained on all the time i like to you know not get rained on all the time i don't trust my uh bass pro shop gear 100 mile per hour whatever the hell that means so uh, he doesn't so. have a bimini that's surprised wow. to me too on a big boat yeah on a big boat like that i would think i thought they all just, I thought just that was customer, like standard customer creature comfort i would think would hey i'm not that. dogging on the guy the guy's been doing it for for forever i'm not i'm, just, I'm not i'm not questioning no i don't mean it like that i'm curious like, yeah, what his reasoning I, would be though like uh, does he have I like a weird technical hey todd's todd's my guy he's my man i, I didn't i mean i thought maybe it was like he's i thought maybe not. no I, I complete i completely get it i mean i thought maybe clyde's bimini snagging has the cons, in it or... you know, todd doesn't like the bimini he he is he said that many times on our show and he said mm -hmm. very many times to to me as well uh there is a visual problem with the the bimini and the way that uh -huh. he likes to run the boat um he does not want it in the way for casting and seeing weed patches and things like that when you're trolling um that's pretty much his his uh his pass off with it and i just enjoy it because i feel like it protects me from flying hooks when we're casting and it protects me from the elements as well. I wasn't I, saying he was a weirdo. I thought maybe oh, yeah, people no. were like people were like hanging raptors no, up in it on yeah, their back yeah, anybody, or something. Any, or... Yeah, and anybody that uh, has ever listened to us, there's there there, there was nothing, none of that taken at all. 
um we he just you know it gets in the way for him it does not yeah. for me huh. and I that's what fascinates me about I everyone on, i dog individual on, on all the time about it huh. so, man is it dry and beautiful in here right now <laughs> well i know how it is i i don't i can't get a bimini on my 16 foot boat I'd, I'd be a little pressed for space if i slapped the bimini on mine i think you know what it's i'm just it. i'm realizing it's something here too every time i fish with you guys it rains whether I'm with Todd or with you, every single time, every single <laughs> trip. One's just a bit drier. Yeah. Sorry. But I just it. feel like a Bimini, uh, you know, there's things about the Bimini where people would be like, I don't know how they cast with that up. I don't know why it's up all the time. You have to run around with these fish. And yeah, you, you can say all that stuff as an angler, but uh, we've, we've netted many big fish off the front casting platform. Many. And the majority of uh, anglers that I'm taking out don't have the um, experience enough to know to jump the windshield in a boat or move around with it, as well as somebody who is experienced in that situation to, to do that. You know, there's been many times where I'm solo when I was solo and I hooked a fish and I had to run around the boat with it all the time. Well, the majority of that time is because I didn't have a, a uh, somebody to net my fish. I had to do it right. myself. So I'm running with that thing all the time. When somebody gets a fish on, I'm right on their ass. I am right there with that net ready to go. And that's just as important as, as hooking, hooking the fish. So running around with the big fish, yes. Uh, will, could it... Um, you know, be a double-edged sword for me in the future. Absolutely. And absolutely could. Right now, I have not missed a big fish because of the Bimini. I mean, Todd um, still has a walkthrough, right? Yes, he does. So, I mean, there's still, it's not like you can run around Todd's boat. You know, you'd still have to deal with a windshield regardless of the Bimini. Do you know what I mean? That's what I said when I, when I said jump the windshield. Yeah. Um, but Yes, the majority of the times, uh, you know, we're, we have people out that don't have the experience to jump that windshield. Um, wherever it is caught casting is where we're netting it at. Wherever it's caught trolling is more than likely where we're netting it at. You know, that's just uh, how it goes out there. Um, there's pros and cons for, for Bimini's, and, you know, I think I touch base on those. Uh but I just love it because it, it, uh, I think it outweighs uh, on the good side rather than, than the bad, you know, it, it just makes you last all day. You have mm -hmm. to outlast these fish. It's something that keeps you more comfortable. Uh, the older you get, you know, I don't, it was like talking about when, when I was on my tiller, I was having a good time, you know, people were, but I was looking at these people, they were wet, they were splashed from my tiller. And I was just like, okay, I have to get something more, uh, you know, comfortable for them, a more stable boat, something with a windshield. Um, the more comfortable you are, are out there, the more efficient you're going to fish. Uh, for me, it's That's a, it definitely extends the season uh, towards the end of the season too. 100% shelter 100% yeah and and being in in uh, me fishing to the end of November um at Chautauqua having a little buddy heater in there and B 
being able to troll and cast with it. It's just somewhere where people can come to take a break, warm up, go back out and cast, go back out and troll. It's yeah, uh, definitely gotten from Todd on the on your podcast that he's not a he's not like a, a big early season or late season type of guy. Uh, you're you're more it seems to me you're more the guy out there late late into into the end of the season. Uh, yeah, I fish as soon as I can and into the end. And you know, Todd's a gangster. He's a gangster in the game. There's just nothing. There's nothing else that needs to be said. He's a gangster, an OG. He's the man. Where? What else? We're at right at the two-hour mark. I was oh, gonna. Shit, yeah, I was gonna say maybe speed round or. Ask me some questions. Yeah. Speed can round, we, go. Can we hit this? Yeah, so, quick. well, yeah. So last week we kind of tried and it wasn't so speedy. So this week we're going to do it really speedy. And since you're like a Pittsburgh kid at heart, I'm going to ask you some that are like fishing related and some that are kind of Pittsburgh related. All right. Okay. And it's going to be overrated <laughs> or underrated. We're going to go through them quick. And then when we're done, you can go back on one, like the most, the one that needs the most explaining, I guess. Okay, so I my response will be overrated or under. Correct. Some will be okay. fishing, some will be Pittsburgh. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Lunar events. Overrated. Extra high speed gear ratios, like 8-1 to 1 and those crazy ones. Underrated. Okay. Jig rip- yep. Jig ripper handles. The little handles everybody's slapping on. Overrated. Spot lock or like other GPS capable trolling motors. Underrated. Triple split rings opposed to double split rings. Overrated. Big time. Yep. Lore color. Overrated. 10 foot and larger casting rods. Overrated. Okay. Live imaging like live scope, pan optics. Overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Felt passionate about that one. Telescopic rods. Underrated. Mm. Flap tails. Oh, God. No comment. Another new new cool thing. Um, (laughs) No comments. Fine. We can pass. We'll pass. Okay. Big baits. Overrated. Rod leashes. Overrated. Kennywood. Mm. This is uh, this one hits close to home. You take it. We can always go back on this one too. Overrated. Okay. Ooh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's overrated for out of town. Well, well, okay, we'll go. We'll go back on it. Okay. Wire line trolling. Overrated. Boga grips. I think we kind of know. Underrated. Ryan Reed's YouTube videos. Underrated. Wow. The paint jobs on the new Fat AZ swimmers. Overrated. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Boo on that one. (laughs) Well, which which one are you thinking is the most damaging there that was the hardest to to make a decision on? It was Kennywood for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you seem to you seem to breeze right through all the fishing related ones. Kenny would really. That looked oh, like you were going to get hit by a family member. 
Well, Kennywood, <laughs> you know, Kennywood's amazing for people that are around Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think it's an overrated thing because it's kind of a crap location. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an amusement park that has like the oldest wooden roller coasters and the most wooden roller coasters. And you could technically catch a muskie like right next to it, I guess. Well, you absolutely could. Which is kind of cool a, there's to a think place about. Down, there's a place right there, and especially across from Sandcastle, where people fish off of that catch muskies there mm. a couple times a year when they're moving in and out. And they're, they're large ones, and I get pictures of them, and I know exactly where they're at. And like and, see the roller coasters. And Well, yeah, yeah you can do that. <laughs> I, just so everybody knows, I stare at that every single day out of my office window. What is it? Well, it's just spot that. Or Kennywood. Well, I drive past Kennywood every single day, but the spot. One of okay, the spots okay, right there. Okay. I mean, that'd be cool to look at Kennywood every day. I, I mean, I past- like it just it's sentimental for me, you know, mm. like the old mill. I mean, I was smooching on that like a mf that was, uh, that was the first place i ever got that was the first place <laughs> yeah. i got drunk big well i never got drunk there i was just getting smooches we did out of like the old water bottle like stolen from the cabinet back like in like eighth wow. grade or something that was my first place actually very nice very nice so it's sentimental for me too i uh, metal. yeah i've thought about getting a year pass just to stop Dude. there and, and get potato patch on the way home for dinner. Dude, really good. But across from potato patch were those corn dogs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the circular venue, they had these amazing corn dogs. They were like, you know, made right there. They were like a little bit burnt. Underrated. I said overrated <laughs> for Kennywood just because I'm biased. <laughs> you know but it, it was just like such a fun time i did have a season pass there at one point like it was in high school and you could you could go to the water park and you can go to kennywood at the same time it was smooch city dude mm-hmm. it was like <laughs> the mall you know yep. you would go there to get numbers and smooches and then at the end of the night like you know with if Things were going well. I love. You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't go and like, you know, ask this person to go home with you because you were young and it would be your parents' house. You'd take them on the old mill. It was very romantic. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very gentleman. And now it's some like Garfield bullshit, some like yeah, glow in the I mean, dark Garfield thing. Yeah. So where are these kids kissing? I don't know. You know, it's got to be in public. I don't want to see that. They, <laughs> there needs to be more old mills, you know? They're on Tinder, kissing down sheets. They're swiping. They're not. They're <laughs> swiping right and swiping up and down. You know, I was on the old mill, just pulling in smooch after smooch. <laughs> yeah. And these people are now just doing it on their iPhone. It's complete bullshit. Swiping right and then pushing her right out of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those, like that, and uh, yeah, I mean, like it's it's very boat oriented. The old mill for anybody that you know is listening and doesn't know about it it was oh yeah the old mill that was basically the old uh little you got in the little coal car but it was kind of like a boat ish type of thing i think it was a free floating boat that's the that 
you know, the end of the night, if you could seal the deal, yep. you would go on the old mill, dude, and you would sit in these boats and like in the back seat and like it would list and like the boat would list and if the <laughs> nose would come up like you're kind of you can't get on plane and you'd just be smooching like crazy <laughs> big time smooches nothing else like nothing x-rated just big smooch well yeah because they had cameras in those all things day. you don't want to get too crazy all day all day hey, smooches that, was that the one that was like um right when you walk right? in Right when yeah. you walk in, like across from the turnpike, right, like the back entrance. That's oh, I, I kind of think of that as the back mm-hmm. entrance. Uh, no. I, I think of the, the front entrance. entrance. Maybe I'm old. Uh, I'm older because the front when I'm when I was a kid, the front entrance was where the laser loop was. You guys probably don't even remember when the laser loop was because you there was, a whole, there was a whole front. There was a whole separate entrance before the entrance that is currently the entrance to Kennywood. I don't know about and that. And when I, when I, you don't, I don't you, remember yeah, you guys that. don't remember. It was that. always underneath Kennywood tunnel. Yeah, the tunnel nope. of love. Nope. Tunnel, yeah. There, there was an uh, up by the laser loop. Do you remember where the laser loop? Okay, there was. I a, just gotta a, say this: you're yeah. absolutely insane because nobody I've ever known in my entire life has come into Kennywood any other way than the way no. we're talking yeah. about. Through yeah, the tunnel, I think you love. Might be tunnel. crazy here, Owen. I can even say, I went to Kennywood last year with my my whole family, and my dad was talking about how much he loves walking through the tunnel and how much he's always mm-hmm. loved walking through that. Don Senior was getting the smoochies in the tunnel of love, probably. Back I mean, in the I can't where, where are you parking? He might have been getting them last summer. I can't believe Owen had the. To- Walk in the regular entrance with a swine. I, I swear to God, like sneaking in the back way with incredible laser looping entrance that you know only does the deal with these animal yinzers. Rich probably had some kind of VIP stuff going on. They were getting a special entrance. Making us feel like crap here. We wink, wink, nudge. I remember there being an entrance over by Noah's Ark, dude. I know no, there was never an entrance over there. I'm the telling only way you, I remember there is if you were like made a hard right at 45 mile an hour. Off the I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, I, <laughs> through the fence. I'm telling you, I remember it. You know, you. that's not there is no, there was not a second entrance, dude. That's I'm, crazy. I'm I'm probably wrong. Who knows? You like you probably like went in never know to work there or something. Yeah, the back way. That's who Owen. That's who Owen was getting some like, from. from high Is that like there. polite for you to say? I, for like literally every one of my buddies from high school worked there. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the 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 back entrance. It was like where the lower class went in. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I don't know. All my buddies worked there. Gingers. They sent the gingers to the back. Yeah. It turned into a Kennywood conspiracy podcast really quick. There was. Uh, who does the Pittsburgh videos? Rick Seaback. Rick Seaback. Yeah, Rick Seaback. And it was hysterical. Like me and my buddy, my best friend from high school, we would talk. Uh, he had the Kennywood job, like the summer job. He would work at Kennywood. And I was like, my parents like put, put me in the kitchen. I was working at this place called Luciano's. And all my other buddies were like having this like incredible summer job and like, working at an amusement park and girls and whatever and i was like sweating and smelling like garlic every time i worked but um 
the Rick Seaback videos of old Kennywood were absolutely hysterical. They were crazy. <laughs> At one point, there was a bear, like a black bear on skates. <laughs> and it was near the potato patch. There was a, there was like a, um, like a, like a stage and there's a bear yeah. on skates and it was at the end of rick seaback's like in the credit scenes and it is right there they put this poor black bear on skates and i mean we were just pissing laughing about it they still do shows on those little stages but nothing quite like that yeah i miss kennywood i mean if i guess if i could go back i would say it's underrated but you know, like for people that are in the eye of like going to amusement parks and stuff like that, it's it's overrated. There's, yeah. I mean, for, you can... but anyway. So so here so so just so you know, the laser loop was removed in 1990. <laughs> the laser loop was removed in 1990. Okay. Okay. So the it, it would if I can't imagine any of you guys having a recollection of that. I was four. Okay. I was, I was also still sperm. four. I was well, also apparently four. it was removed, and it was the structural integrity of this front entrance <laughs> that you're talking about, <laughs> because the front entrance left as well. <laughs> Never there. At least I can open up about this. I mean, my musky fishing stuff is essentially just outwork the fish. That's it. Like, just go out there and fish more and outwork the fish. I'm not going to be like, you have to buy raptors. You have to buy swimmers. Or you're an idiot if you don't. And you have to fish the moon phases. Like, it's not... go. People have, like, real lives and stuff. It's not a big scientific breakdown. People that do that have... But as a teenager, go get smooches. People that do do that are thinking too hard about it, for, especially for inland bodies of water. If I ever got scientific about it, uh, I would. It, it would be for somewhere that is like a one fish body of water, which there's not many of those left. Uh, you know, places like Pennsylvania and the tri-state area are stocking like crazy. The inland bodies of like Illinois and Indiana and out in Wisconsin, there's just so that they're polluted with muskies. You know, there, there's nothing to think about. There's not many places to think about the one fish. The, the one fish areas were what were books were written about, where like the dude went out on Georgian Bay for a year and like got his butt kicked. That's the only place where you would really that in the St. Lawrence River for for your world records that are consistently there. There's other lake systems that have gone through giantism and things like that, where they were kicking out 50 pounders. You can think about the Buffalo Harbor. You could think about Malax Lake. They've come and gone uh, with, with their, with, with their giants. They're still in there, but it's not as consistent as, you know, the golden era or the heyday of those, those lakes. There's one thing that's consistent. It's like the Georgian Bay will always be the place for, for, an IFGA record for weight, you know, and maybe the St. Lawrence at one, one point would be for weight. Um, so if you're really after that in a world record uh, type of person and fisherman, or if you're planning your vacation to go and, and, and fish for, uh, to try for one of these things, then you can look at the books, but on the inland 
inland lakes, um, you know, they're, they're, there's not much science to it. You know, you, you need to go when you can and you need to go as hard as you can and go with what's most comfortable for you. If you're comfortable throwing a bucktail, throw the bucktail. That's the best way you're going to fish. Uh, you know, don't pick up a raptor because, you know, on the week leading up to it, you know, this boat caught X amount of fish on raptors or Donnie went out and caught a fish on a raptor. So I need to go out and just throw raptors, go out and fish and just fish with what you're comfortable with uh, for that time being, because it's not a long time. It's a very short time, you know, like a, a, if you're a weekend warrior and new into musky fishing, which, which this podcast is about, go out with what you're comfortable with and fish as hard as you can and you'll be rewarded. I, I learned that when I was, uh, you know, fishing solo for so many years. I was just like, this is crazy. I'm fishing with so many things right now and I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just like reading an article and because they caught X fish on X lake at X time, I think I need to do it with what's right under my feet at this point. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is just hooks and lines. I, I need to get back to that. Uh, this is just hooks and lines. I'm going to keep this one bait on here. I'm going to get extremely comfortable with it and extremely efficient with it and confident with it and see what happens. It's hooks and lines. You know, yep. that's something that's just a, a piece of advice for anyone that's fishing. You know, if I would text somebody and said we were getting them on X crankbait while trolling, cool. Go ahead, do it. If you're not comfortable with that X baits dive curve and you don't know where it's at, uh, you know, maybe it's not the best idea. Just go. It's it's like imperative when you're like new in musky fishing to kind of cut out outside noise and what you've read and what is said to be, you know, use this, use that. I've used this. Um, even when it's not so aggressive, just to go out and get comfortable with what you're actually using and you're going to have better results just all around from that. Like that. be a giant worm and bobber. If you fish the best with that, you'll, you'll catch a muskie on it. Oh, don't tell me that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan is good at floating bobbers. I am just, really you know, good at floating bobbers. Just dropped a G at the New York Muskie show. I know. <laughs> on bobbers? Uh, yeah. I wish it was on bobbers. Worms, actually. That would be a, well, quite I mean, the bobber collection. Lures are amazing. And, I mean, that's a tough thing to, to bridge, like, in muskie fishing. Like, you have to have one of everything. If you're a fisherman, you have to have one of everything. But you know what your confidence baits are and, and you go with that, you know, you roll with that, you're going to catch more fish, but like it yep. shows, it's really hard not to dabble in everything that's there. Cause everything's beautiful and they're all proven lures and, um, you know, wonderful bait makers and, you know, they're, they're fun. They're fun to go and window shop and sometimes spend one, two, three, four, even $5,000 at a show. I mean, people, go crazy about about the musky lures yeah i didn't yeah, spend quite that much but i did get a new sloppy swimmer for this year 
Mm. In the Arthur Perch pattern. I'm calling it Arthur Perch. I don't know if that's what you guys are calling it, but well, I'm I just call it Orange Perch, but that was like the old 79 belt name for it. Mm. It's an orange base with black bars and a white belly. Gold scale. Yeah. It's, uh, I love it. All right. Do you guys have any other questions here for Vance or Vance, you have anything else? No, I hope that was okay. I, I, you know, it was awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you. It was great. Very informative. You're a podcast veteran, so it's not like we had to hit some new things. Anybody can hear the same old shit on any other one. And so we wanted I feel to kind of like talk too much or something, but no, you, that's, that's why you're the that's guest. Good. Mm. Yeah. That's what we wanted. Right on. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for yeah. giving us your time tonight. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you. No problem. Absolutely. Pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thank you boys for, for having me on and I wish you much success. All right, guys. Is that it. Ready to cut yeah. it? Uh, cut, put an end to this one here tonight. Let's do it. All right, there boys. Is. Thanks, guys. Later. I had to shake them on my last case. Big O don't play. Big o don't play.